Hey friends, welcome to the Cultivate Hope podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Robinson, and I want to invite you to come alongside me as we hear stories, gain wisdom, and even some helpful tools from some of my friends. These are people who have experienced challenging seasons of life that have tested their faith. We can all learn from those who've dug those deep trenches and have found their way to the other side of hopelessness. So let's start digging together and cultivate hope. Hello, hello. It's a very special Tuesday on the Cultivate Hope podcast, as our guest today is my oldest and most faithful friend, my childhood neighborhood bestie, my bus singing partner. Yes, we used to sing at the top of our lungs on the back of the bus, every show tune song, Disney Channel song that you could possibly imagine, and maid of honor, Alicia Cook. Alicia and I go way back, but you'll hear that story later on in this episode. Alicia is not only a salon owner of Salt and Light Salon and Spa here in Cincinnati, she is also a dedicated wife and a super mom to four beautiful girls. Today, we will be tackling a truly tender topic. So if you have littles around or are not in a place to have this conversation, just know that today's topic is how to hope in the midst of miscarriage. One in four women walk this road of grief, and while no two stories are the same, no story matters any less than another. So on today's episode, Alicia and I will have more of a back-and-forth discussion, as we have both walked this road at different times and in different ways. If this is not a part of your story, I want to personally invite you into the conversation, as we also discuss what to do and not do to better love and support your own loved ones. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to my girl, Alicia Cook. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here. Girl, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So Alicia and I have a lot of history together. We have known each other for so long, and we've known each other's babies. We've been through marriage, the whole thing, marriage and babies, all the beginning of all of that. And for both of us, we share the fact that when we first um, got pregnant with our first kids. We got pregnant pretty much right away, both of us. So we came from that kind of point of view. So if that's not you, if if that's something where you're continually struggling with infertility, we just want you to know that our heart goes out to you. Um, but just know that we feel for you and we are praying for you and that there is hope there as well. And there will be another podcast for you specifically. So be expecting that along the way. So Alicia, since you are new to the podcast today, we're going to ask you the same question that we ask every single guest. What is your definition of hope? Oh, this I was just telling you uh, before we started how this one kind of stumped me a little bit. I was just yeah. thinking like, you know, when you think, oh, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, I'm hopeful that this is going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that that's going to happen. Yeah. So when you take the word hope out of that, it's um, in my mind, I almost feel, you know, being a believer that it's like. I trust that this is going to happen or I trust that that's going to happen. So I think um, being hopeful in something and having hope is almost having trust that, you know, the Lord will come and, and see full fruition of that. So awesome. so for you, that trust is placed in the Lord. Yes, that's absolutely. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So today I just want to, I want to dive right in. I want to get into the story and I want to just kind of give a little bit of your family background, kind of like how your family started, how many kids you have. 
and kind of where this story began. Yeah, so um, I am married for almost seven years to my high school sweetheart. Um, we have four baby girls together. We have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and almost 20 months. So I'm going to say that until she's two, and then I'll say two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, and so we have full of chaos. Um, you know, before we got married, we knew we wanted a big family. We just never realized what that was going to look like. Um, we just always believed that, you know, God was going to um, – hopefully provide us with a beautiful, loving family that we could love and support. Um, so we were blessed with the four, our, the four girls that we have. So with our babies, we never really tried to have them, and we never really didn't try. It was just, you know, if it happened, it happened, and I think that's why our kids are all close together. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, I am a salon owner. So that is something that just – came about uh, fairly quickly, and I believe it was uh, a blessing from God because every door just opened, and I just felt obedient by walking through those. Mm-hmm. And that opened in November of 2021, so not even a year. So it was pure chaos, right? So we have, we're married. We have a marriage to work on. We have four babies, and um, we have this new business that we're, you know, putting a lot of our time, our effort you know, we're putting hope into our business that it's going to flourish and yeah. grow. So, and by the way, this is not a small salon. This is a full-on <laughs> salon and spa, and it is massive. So it's not a small undertaking. It's not your little mom-and-pop shop. Like, it is a large salon. Yeah, so it was way larger than I could ever imagine. But, again, I felt like it was being obedient, and it's it's been great. It's been wonderful. But so – you know, you fast forward a little bit, and um, I one day knew that I was pregnant, and I kind of suppressed those feelings. I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't say anything to my husband. I didn't say anything to my mom, my sister, my best friends, nothing. Like, I just kept it to myself, and I'm like, oh, my word, Lord, like, this is not good timing. Like, I know... You know, we at this point, we really weren't trying to have a baby. Um, and so I just suppressed it for a little bit. And then one day I came home and I told my husband, I'm like, Stephen, like, I think I'm pregnant. And he was like, there's no way. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there may be a way, you know. Yeah. You know? Um, this is men, you know. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? And I was like, well. Um, so I, you know, I, I took a pregnancy test and it came up positive. And... I don't want to say, I just, I just felt a little off at first about it, just being full transparent with you. And then it was not long after I got a little bit excited. I'm like, okay, this is a blessing, right? Like children are a complete and utter blessing. So I am like, this is a gift from the Lord and it will be fine. We will work this out. You know, it's not my timing, what I would per se would want, but this is going to be our child and this is going to be, this is going to be great. Yeah. A couple weeks later, I started to spot and in that moment I knew I just didn't feel right. I just knew it was not good. So long, long story short, I, uh, they confirmed it was a miscarriage, um, at the doctor who I love dearly. Then after that, she was like, you know, we'll, we'll see you in a week and to make sure that everything is okay and that everything um, went okay, you know, with your body and everything like that. Yeah. 
unfortunately I had to, I was bleeding so bad that I had to go and uh, undergo a DNC, which that has a whole element in itself as well. But, um, and I think no matter who you are in that situation, no matter what you choose to do, it's still very raw and traumatic no matter how it happens. Absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was something, you know, you have the physical aspect of it and then you have the mental and the emotional aspect of it, which I think that lingers more than that physical aspect. So, you know, you physically weeks later, you, you feel good and, but then mentally and emotionally, yeah, you are not good. You know? Right. So, yeah, I, that, that story is so, it's so crazy to me because you were in such a whirlwind of life at the moment that, and I always find it funny how the enemy knows what kind of lies to plant in our head, you know, when we are in the midst of a whirlwind and we're like, oh, you know, babies catch you off guard, like just do sometimes, you know, it's not always planned. A lot of times it's not. And, you know, when it's not that ideal season of life, Sometimes the enemy can plant these thoughts, you know, when something doesn't go right as, oh, I shouldn't have had that thought or I shouldn't have felt this way. Maybe I had something to do with it. Or maybe that had something to do with it. Oh. We almost give ourselves power. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. And so did you feel that? Uh, 100%. I mean, it was so weird because I personally felt like the feelings that I had for that split second of like mm-hmm. the hesitation or the what are we going to do? Like. I felt like that's like what caused it. Like it was my fault. But, you know, now looking back, I knew that wasn't, it was, that was just the enemy getting into my, my mind and, you know, stirring up chaos in a, in a time that was already chaotic. And you touched on it a minute ago about how, you know, I was in this season of, um, yeah, Yeah. it it was like, it was like a joy. Yeah. It was like a, it, it was supposed to be like a joyful, you know, like the business had only been open for like two months. Yeah. So, like, here I am, like, in this season of just, like, joy and, like, being excited and, like, I almost felt guilty because I'm, like, here I am feeling hopeless, right, in this situation when I should feel nothing but joy and having tons of hope of what's to come. It just was such a, it was such a mind game. It was, like, it was just crazy. Right. Oh, my gosh. And I remember the day that you texted me too and said, Oh my gosh, I'm having a miscarriage because pray. And I, I was shocked because I do remember you saying that you're like, no, we're going to like, we don't, we're not ready for any more kids right now. We're just going to wait and see how the business goes. And so you kind of had a feeling how you had already felt about that. But of course I also know that you love kids mm-hmm. and that you have such a heart for the Lord and for babies and for family. So I knew it would be good, you know, if whenever that would happen or whatever, whenever God chose to give you babies. But it just broke my heart because for me, um, and I'll let all the viewers know, this is this conversation is between me and Alicia is going to go back and forth a little bit because I want to make sure that a lot of women who have a different story or like a different point of view with miscarriage feel seen and heard. I have a little bit of a different point of view from how mine happened. So I had a miscarriage back in, my first one was 2018. I was simultaneously the same week most of a lot of you know that I have ulcerative colitis and I was diagnosed with that or I prefer to say diagnosed with I was diagnosed with that the same week that I had my first miscarriage 
and that's how I kind of how I found out the first one um, I passed at home which was very traumatic because it it lasts days and you, you kind of have to just kind of wait it out and that was really really tough and then I ended up I wasn't supposed to after I was diagnosed get pregnant <laughs> by the doctor's orders wasn't supposed to get pregnant again until the UC was quote-unquote under control which I don't know if it's ever under control um, with the way that they were treating me at the time but um, I ended up finding out I was pregnant four months later with another baby and at the time I I echo those feelings with Alicia of like oh no it was the first time where I was like oh no maybe this isn't a good time first time I'd ever felt that before so I know that feeling and I know how the enemy can use it against you because um, I found out very recently after that it was ectopic which it was just a weird feeling in general because you're like that's weird so the baby is alive it's just in the wrong spot so how I don't know how to feel about that mm -hmm. it's just it's a mind game because you're like it's alive I want you to live I want you to live but when it's ectopic there's literally no no percentage of survival for mom or baby like zero like it will just both will not make it so for mm -hmm. me that was a really 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 hard mind game to play to just be okay with and to come to terms with. And then after that, the treatment for that was the shot methotrexate um, to have your system pass it. And for me, it didn't work two times. So I had to get it done three times, which was very traumatic because they make you go after you get the shot um, every two or three days to get your blood drawn. And I think I had my blood drawn 21 times within a couple months, which was extremely traumatic. I cried. I sobbed every time. I felt so bad for the women taking my blood because I just sat there and sobbed because I'm like, I don't want the numbers mm -hmm. to go down, but I also, they have to go down and right. I keep having to do this and they're not going down and it's devastating because I'm like, you feel like you're watching your baby die, right? you know, inside of you and you don't want it to. It's just very hard. So, so that's my experience. So if any of you have been through ectopic or have passed at home, I see you in those moments and I know what that feels like and I just want you to know that you're not alone. So back to Alicia and your story. I think the lowest, toughest moments are right after, like say you, when you had your DNC and you had to go home mm -hmm. or you woke up because so, you were under, correct? No. You were not under. <laughs> I okay. I was not put under. I, okay. I would, so I'm actually really happy you asked this because this is when I'm going to try not to get emotional. Girl, we're allowed, okay? <laughs> Everybody, we are allowed to get emotional. This Big is very emotional. Messes. And this is hard. And if you're emotional during this, you just get your chocolate <laughs> and your ice cream and your tissues <laughs> and, and your join tissues? us. Because we're just snuggled oh, up with blankets yes. in my basement having a conversation about one of the hardest moments of our life. So if you're with us in this, like, just know you are in the girl party right now. We're just having a sleepover together talking about this yep. and sharing our hearts because this is a really hard topic. So you go ahead and yeah. hi, Alicia. Okay. Girl, I might. It just might. I, because before I left to go to the hospital, I had eaten. So when um, the anesthesiologist came in to talk to me about the procedure and what it would look like, he had told me that I would have to wait either 12 hours for the procedure or he could do it with me being awake and I could get it done sooner and then I could leave, go home. 
it's so funny. This is kind of funny. So it's me in this room, right, with my husband, my sweet husband, and this other man, the anesthesiologist. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I, you know, and so in my mind, or my husband's mind, he's like, Alicia, like, you've had an epidural before. You had a, because that's what they would yeah. do. They would give you a spinal. He's like, right. you've had it done before. Like, you're going to be great. And the other man's like, oh, Alicia, it's, you're going to be great. I'm like, I'm not worried about, like, the actual, I'm worried about, like, the emotional side of things. You yeah. know, like, yeah. what, like, these men, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't ever fully understand. So right. I thought. I can laugh about that now because I'm yeah. sitting here like that's not what I'm referring to. But yeah. so I did. I, I ended up doing that, and um, my husband and I actually before the procedure we prayed together. He was like, "Oh, sorry." Um, my husband just asked the Lord to just make me feel peace yeah. during the procedure. Yeah. So they wheel me back and. Um, this sweet man who was the anesthesiologist, um, he told me, he was like, I will put on whatever music you want me to. Yeah. And I was like, awesome. Like, that's, can you please put on Maverick City? Like, that's yes. what I just want to listen to. And he's like, I already have a playlist. I said, I perfect. Love it. <laughs> so um, the first song that came on was Promises, mm -hmm. and it was the 10-minute version, which it was literally perfect because it's exactly how long the procedure took. Wow. So I actually screenshotted the lyrics of it because I, I wanted to read it because yes. when I was going over um, some of the things that you sent me earlier, it said, what was someone or something that like you held on to yeah. for hope? Yeah. And like I, a word of wisdom yeah. or something encouraging. And yeah. so I couldn't think of like a person. I mean, I could have said my husband and yeah. I could have said you know my friends or you know my my family or my girls but yeah in these moments you feel so alone even if you're in a room full of people who have experienced the same exact thing as yes. you it's just still such a lonely road yeah this song is what I clung to I'm gonna read it real quick so I'm sure a lot of you if you're listening um some of you might have heard this song before some of you haven't I don't know but Part of the song, it says, um, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. And then towards the end of the song, they sing, I will bless you in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the road, when I have nowhere to go, like, I will bless you. And for me, I feel like it's, it's very matter of fact, right? Yeah. He is faithful. I will bless him. And at that moment in my life, because I didn't feel that way, I felt like I was just speaking that in my life. Yes. Like, even though I might not feel faithful right now, I might not feel, I feel hopeless. Yeah. I'm going to speak that into my life. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. That's, so that's so literally good. what I just clung on to. I'm like, even though it's not necessarily how I feel right now, you know, yeah. being human and just being in this broken world, like, it's yeah. so easy to feel, for the enemy to just slip through and, like, get into your mind. And so I'm like, I had to speak it over myself. Like, yeah. this is this is how it's supposed to be. I Absolutely. Need, you know? So. Absolutely. I, I think there's something so profound about that because you touched on it, like, speaking, you were speaking these words out loud, but you weren't necessarily feeling it, so you were leading your heart mm -hmm. 
to the pl- to hope. You right. were, you're like looking at the mountain in front of you saying, I feel like I'm at the bottom of this mountain yeah. where I can see hope at the top, but like, I feel like I'm at the bottom right, right now and I know who's at the top, right. but I need to like, in order to start to climb, I have to tell myself to take the next step. I have Absolutely. to tell myself what's at the top mm-hmm. because in the moment you just become, I mean, it's overwhelming. It almost clouds your vision so much. Yeah that it's, it's hard to see anything else around you, that you just feel like kind of you're in this, like, tunnel or this cave. It's exactly. Where you're like, I can't see anything else. Doesn't – and it's when – honestly, it's when you lose anyone. It's like the grief that you feel when you lose anyone. When you have love for anybody and they leave this earth too mm-hmm. soon, you feel like the world should stop. Mm-hmm. You feel like, why isn't everything and everyone stopping? Yes. Because my world just stopped. Yes. Why can't everything else just stop? Absolutely. And – I remember when we lost our first, one of the greatest blessings was um, my mom took the kids, my older kids at the time, to um, her house for a sleepover because I wasn't ready to talk about it because I had just had a double whammy. <laughs> I, had found, I got a diagnosis and I also was losing a baby and I had to pass it through the week and I was like, I just don't know how to explain what I'm going through right now and I'm just mm-hmm. in it because I still had to pass it. And I remember coming home, and the house was silent. It was so quiet. And it was just Jake and I. And I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell everybody this. I mentioned it on my last episode with Emily Wyatt in passing, but I'm just going to reiterate. One of the most wonderful, hope-dealing acts of love that I received was our dear friends, the Shoals. Thank you, Natasha and Brad. You guys are blessings sent us a pizza. They sent us a pizza to the house. They didn't say anything. They didn't, like, there wasn't any, like, they didn't drop it off or anything. Like, they had it delivered. And we had food. Because it was, like, at that point, it was, like, 7 o'clock at night. And I was, like, the last thing on my mind was eating. I didn't want to cook. I didn't want to call anyone. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't even know if I could eat, but I knew it was there. So I was cared for there. And that was just such a tangible piece of like hope to me because for me the grief was so overwhelming and I don't know if you felt this way that I was like I don't know how I'm gonna live past this Mm -hmm. sometimes like sometimes the grief is so deep that you're like I don't know how I'm gonna live through the grief because the grief feels so deep I feel like it could almost take me out Mm -hmm. because it's so heavy in the moment my heart feels like it's physically breaking right that just to have food here to know that the the next step is to eat to live another day Mm -hmm. I'm going to live to eat. I'm going to eat to live. I'm going to take that next step and it's going to be okay. And I don't have to provide it for myself. Someone's saying, Hey, eat, we're here mm-hmm. in the next step. We and support it's okay. you. We love you. Yes. Yep. And that was everything. Um, I'm going to interrupt for a minute because I felt the same way because sweet Jake and Sarah did the same thing for me um, and my kids and my husband. So I'm so forever grateful for that. You're so welcome. Yes, a little. It's thing. I know, but the you know, only, you know what though? Things. I would have never known to do that. I would not have known had someone not known to do mm-hmm. that for me, because I had had before you lost a baby. I had had friends that have had miscarriages, mm-hmm. and I didn't do anything because I didn't know. Right. You don't know what to do. You just send a text and you say, "You know what? I love you. I'm here for you." Yeah. And you send maybe like flowers or like a card, but like it's you don't know what to do tangibly, right, guys send a pizza or just food just yeah. send food 
it's every it's the smallest most simple thing but it means the world and it's just the next thing mm -hmm. it's just the next thing that they don't have to work, think about or worry about so they can just sit and grieve mm -hmm. but so funny that you said that worship was such a turning point for you because for us we did the same thing our song was my husband and I are musicians so he got out his guitar and we were I was just sobbing and he's like I don't know what to say right now so I think we should just sing so we sat in our living room and we sang honestly you just was strumming I don't even know how it happened we didn't even like declare a song which is really strange when I think back about it he just started strumming and I just started singing new wine in the pressing and really? the crushing yeah yeah because I felt crushed mm -hmm. I was so absolutely crushed. And I just had to declare that he was making new wine because I can't go back to who I was. I needed the idea of new wine because I'm, you don't feel that like you could ever be the same. Mm -hmm. That yeah. moment is so defining. Right. It's you. Yeah. We were talking earlier. You have to pivot from it and you just, mm -hmm. it's like a new fork in the road. Like you just. Yeah. And it has to be a fork because you can't, it's not like a straight road where you just stop you have like a moment and then you keep on the same right. road. You literally go something changes. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. You're not the same anymore. You know, I had, um, I had a, I have a lot of people close to me, you included, who have experienced loss, whether it be miscarriage, stillbirth or infant loss, or even I, I mean, my in-laws lost, um, they've had children that they've lost at young ages. So, um, my sister, has experienced uh, two miscarriages in between two of her, her girls. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so, not it's not funny, but it's so crazy to think, like, how I responded to her miscarriages, mm -hmm. not knowing what it was like. Like, like mm -hmm. I know she, she loves me and values me and what I think and say, right? So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, you tell me what I need to do. And she would always tell me, Alicia, it's a club that you never want to be a part of, but yes. you, you, you only understand until you are. Yes. And I, I can't would, tell you how many people told me that. Yeah. I think it, like, two people I talked to after that I knew had miscarriages. One of them was Cammy Avers, and another was, um, who was it, um, where they both said, it's a club that you never want to be a part of, but once you join it, it's, like, massive. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah, a sisterhood it is. because it's something you don't want to be a part of, but it's so deep that it bonds you in like yep. another level. It's, it is crazy. And so I remember on my way home from the doctor's office after they confirmed it, I called her and my mom mm -hmm. and I just said, I get, I get it. I, I understand how you were feeling. I wish I did it, but now I just wish I could hug you again. You know? I know. I wish I could do it all over. I wish I knew how you actually felt when, cause when yeah. you were going through it. Because yeah, it's a lonely place. It is lonely. It's like you feel like nobody un understands it. And for those who have not been through miscarriage and you're trying, you're listening to maybe love those around you better. Which if you are, bravo! Thank you so much for being willing to sit in this with us and to just be an ear and empathy, empathize and love your sisters through it because we need more sisters that are willing to step into that really mucky, gross, mm -hmm. awkward, sad place with us yeah. because it can be scary for, and I don't want to call them outsiders, but people who haven't been in that space, right? you know, it's and for it, lack of they, better terms. Yeah. They don't know any better. No. You know, like what's no. that saying? We've like, all you been don't there know before. what you don't know. Yep. Like, 
I was they there just, before. Yeah, same. They just want to love you and be there for you. But yeah. when you're going through it, it's like, it's just very, I, I remember it was a couple of days after my DNC and my husband came up to me. We were just like watching a movie or something. And he had came and sat next to me and he's like, like, how, how are you doing? And I just remember sipping like, I literally just feel weird. I can't explain it. You know, like at this point, like I'm physically feeling okay. Yeah. But other than that, I'm just, I feel very weird. You have every emotion in the book. You, I felt shame. I felt guilt. I felt sadness. I was mad. I would have little spouts of being happy, you know, like, yeah. cause I have these four beautiful kids running yes. around me and here I am grieving this loss, yeah. you know, yeah. it felt not right. You know, because there are people who would die to have one child. So yes. then, I, then I felt guilt on on that because I'm like, but I have beautiful children. Yeah. But you know, my heart longs for more. Ch- you know, it's just yes. it was the dynamic. I was like, oh, it was weird. Oh my gosh, I I get that. I've been on so many so many sides of the spectrum of pregnancy when it comes to having kids because you know my story. Like Sophia was unexpected. I found out I was pregnant with her before Jake and I were married. We were, I just graduated two months prior to finding out I was pregnant with her back in 2013. Found out I was pregnant with her in February, 2013. And I, I remember then feeling guilty on that side mm-hmm. of the story. Cause I was like, Oh no, there's so many women that would kill to be in my position. And I wasn't ready and right. I made a oopsie and, here I am and I have this beautiful baby girl like thank you Jesus like Mm -hmm. she's such a blessing I call her my grace baby because she you know out of a really sticky situation and you know really not ideal way of starting out was the biggest blessing of my life Mm -hmm. and absolutely um but then I've also been on the other side of I've been you know then I had one where we planned him my second child we planned him and we knew when we wanted to get pregnant, and it worked out really well. And I had never experienced that. And I was so excited because the first one was such a surprise. The second one, I was like, oh, this is what it's like when you, like, right. you know, plan your family. <laughs> like, that's that's really cool. This really works. But then the third, when we tried for the next, you know, the next time losing that baby, it was like the rug pulls out from underneath you. And you're like, wait, I've experienced this, and I've experienced this. And I didn't even think that. You don't think it could happen. Yeah. You don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen to you. You don't. It's, no. And then it does, and you're like, what now? You know, I had somebody tell me after I had my miscarriage, which, again, I sometimes I think people just say things because yes. they don't yes. know. You know, they don't know if they don't know. Preach. But she goes, but you already have four babies. How does that even happen? And it's like, girl. Oh no, girl! I'm like, uh, let's go through real quick a couple just for our sweet sisters who are here to know how to support their other sisters, or who may you know just want to be prepared. Who knows the future? You know, only God. We, I wish this on nobody, but just to just to know what not to say. What are some of the things not to say? That's definitely at the top of the list. You can always try again. Oh God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that for me because I wasn't supposed to technically, especially the second time get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Well, at least you're safe. Mm -hmm. At least you're healthy. At least you're good. 
that was not what I wanted to hear. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I would die for this child right. already. Like, yeah. Like, kill me. Take it. Take the baby. Yep. Like, I. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. That's just where I'm at. That may not be where everybody's at. But I'm like, don't say that to me. Like, the, this baby was my heart. Right. You know, just like my kids right now are my heart walking around in the world. This baby was my heart. And it shattered. And yeah. you just told me that I'm good. Yeah. Well, no, thank God I'm you're not good, good now. right? Yeah. yeah you're... I'm not good now. Just be mindful about what you say and be mm-hmm. empathetic and just know that whoever it is, whatever situation they're living in, whatever they've been through, whatever they're going through in the moment, whatever caused or didn't cause it, just be love to them. That's all they need. Yep, just, just be love. Honestly. And even, listen. Yeah. Don't say anything. Just love and yep. say, I'm sorry. And I love it. you. I'm here for you. Let you me know? buy a pizza. I'm, yeah. I'm buying you a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I think the thing, in order to like really get into the place of like how to hope through something like this, mm-hmm. what did that pivot look like? For you when things started when you start to come out of you know like that fog we know yes. what that fog is like yep. you sit in the fog for a little bit and that's okay you need to that's like right. the however many stages mm-hmm. of grief you have to go through the grief or else it's going to come back later yep. so after you sat in the grief well first of all tell me what did the grief look like for you like what kind of stages did that look like for you um, so at first it was guilt I was yeah. very guilty yeah. I I blame myself for I would say weeks. That's one thing that was the biggest, was just the guilt. Yeah. And I would say mad and sad trickled in there, and that was kind of yeah. short-lived. And then my husband, he can be annoying sometimes. <laughs> but they all? he's got – he's just a very optimistic person. Yeah. And so I think that I, – I, I would say I'm a very optimistic person as well. I have. So when you have two optimistic people and one is not being very optimistic, you know, the other one, I think just kind of, so he kind of dug me out of the trenches. Like he was like, come on, like, you're going to be okay. Like God, he, from the get, right. I I called him after my appointment. He was like, it's going to be okay. He was like, God has got us. This isn't his plan, his timing. And I literally wanted to be like, can Shut you up. just like not say that right now? Like yeah. that's the last thing that I want to hear. Right. And so I got to a point where he was like, come on girl, like, let's go. Like we got to get yeah. you out of this like yeah. slump. You know, I being behind the chair, being a hairstylist, yeah. you have to hang up your own problems for mm-hmm. the whole time you're behind the chair right. to worry about the person's problems who are sitting in your chair. So which you, know, you do very well, by the way. Well, thank That's you. hard. It is. It is hard, you know. And I think you can be vulnerable with um, your guests when they're sitting there, but they really want to be vulnerable with you. You're really there for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, here I was like trying to be the mentor and be this rock and be this optimistic and supportive person for all these different people. Every day I was behind the chair, so I, when I would get home at night. I would just kind of sit on the couch and like be a bump on the log. I was for a while short with my kids. It was like they were my punching bag. Yeah. He was my punching bag when really none of them should have been. You know, they were yeah. loving me unconditionally even through me being mm-hmm. not nice. Steven, he's a lot to say to kind of grabbed me and was like, let's go. And so we talked about earlier, you know, music being a big part listening to actually what these words that were being sang and like Mm -hmm. 
actually applying them to my life and how how I was feeling in that moment. Right. And honestly, like, I could give you a list of songs that literally, I get chills still listening to them to this day that would literally give me a glimmer of hope. You know, when my husband and I would talk, he would be like, God has got us. I know, like, that's probably not what you want to hear, but, like, we're going to be okay. Like, uh, this plan, you're not seeing it fully right now. You're being, you know, you got blinders on because of what you're going through. He was like, but you're going to look back one day and realize that this is all for the perfect plan and it's going to glorify the Lord. And you're going to realize, like, that's why. He's right. Like, mm-hmm. as hard as it was and as as, as hard as what had I had experienced was, I was so hopeful that God was going to bless me with another child one day. Like, yeah. And if that doesn't happen, like, I rest knowing that I have these four beautiful babies. Because yeah. in the grand scheme of life, that's, that situation is just, like, a snippet. Yeah. So that season of my life is literally going to help me move forward in all the other seasons of my life. And that's I right. believe, like, we are now. Like, it's part of my testimony and who I am. Right. You know, being a hairstylist and people sitting in my chair, I probably hear at least five times a week somebody who's experiencing infertility and somebody or or experiencing miscarriage. Mm. And I feel like now I can be like, I I feel you. Like I understand you on the on the side of miscarriage, you know? Yeah. Like I know how you're feeling. Like yeah. it's and I feel like sometimes that's good to feel like you're not alone even though it is so lonely you are not alone those are the people you call first exactly you know you don't you don't call your girlfriend necessarily I mean sometimes you like let them know but that's not the person you want to sit and talk to at night for like hours after it happened like I remember the night it happened for me I called Jake and I called our um friends the Pistons uh Crystal and Mike because they had had a miscarriage and I knew about that like before they had had their two babies and it was like their first experience with, with babies was a miscarriage. And so we called them and they came over right away and they literally sat and Crystal and I just sat on the couch down here while the kids played and the guys played with kids. And she just let me talk and Mm -hmm. she talked with me and it was so nice to have somebody there who who got it, who knew where I was at and gave me permission to just sit there. And they were so gentle with us that night. Like they were just so kind and patient and gentle with our hearts. Yeah. And one thing I want to transition into that I think is a piece of the puzzle that we don't talk about a lot. Cause yes, we, we are in the, in a fog. We go through so much with that. It is like, by all means, it is heavier on the woman. However, yes, it still affects the men. Yes. And I just want to know how did one, how did that affect your relationship with Steve, like your marriage and two, how did it affect him individually? Like, cause I know Jake and I, we processed it very differently. Yeah. I actually didn't expect that. I thought we were going to be like kind of at the same pace and kind of like grieving together. And it's different for everybody, but we ended up grieving very separately. The way that I grieved was like I would wake up in the middle of the night and choking sobs like out of yeah. the, a dead sleep. And I'd just be sobbing and he'd wake up and he'd like rub my back. But then I wouldn't see him crying about like physically it. upset yeah. yeah and then he told me one day he had like like he was working out we have a workout facility in our third car garage and he said one morning he was out there and he just lost it and was like scream crying at the, like he was just upset and he had his moment but then he kind of got 
like he had he was very quiet about like he got very mm-hmm. like quiet and in was really like dealing with it internally where I was very external about it granted I had a double whammy very very close together and I felt like I dealt with it like it I didn't turn around I didn't have a pivot moment for a very long time because for a very very long time because I feel like from August when I had my first to December when I had my second to when months later when the you know the ectopic finally cleared and then I felt like I had all this trauma mm-hmm. that I had to work through it was only once that cleared that I was like I don't know what to do with all this right. and then I had to start working through it for like a year and man it took a lot of conversations it took a lot of prayer it took a lot of people calling things out of me and speaking things into me mm-hmm. like it was an exchange constantly I had to exchange a lot of things because I had suppressed part of what I was feeling because I didn't feel like the world could handle how deeply I was feeling right. it. so tell me how did that go for you guys so kind of like how I touched on earlier Stephen is very optimistic which can be a good and bad thing right sure you can I feel like sometimes you can be overly optimistic when it's okay to not it's okay to not be okay you know yes yes so I think when we first found out like I called in and they confirmed the miscarriage we just kind of cried together but then like it was like a light switch went off and he was like that's when he was like it's gonna be okay like God has got us you know we don't know what the future just you know the whole Mm -hmm. the whole thing but I think as time went on and um, I think the DNC, I think that really, I don't think, I don't say bothered him, but I think after that happened and um, just how the procedure and all that, I think that's when it became real. Yeah. That it was actually happening. Yeah. Um, you know, being in the hospital, I was bleeding very heavily. Sure. Um, Kind of like you and Jake, we grieve, we grieve separately. Yeah. And you touched on it earlier too. Like I wanted him to be like, I should say this. I felt like, why is nobody else grieving this loss? Yes. Why? It's our expectations. We're yeah. like, why aren't we holding hands and sobbing yeah. together? Right. <laughs> you know? And so like there was yeah. a point in time where I like got upset. I'm like, yeah. are you not upset? Are you not? And he was like, no, I am. Like we lost a child. Of course I'm upset. He was like, but again, Mr. Optimistic, he was like, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just that it wasn't it wasn't in the plans for us at that moment. I think it was it was kind of weird at first. Um we also had uh during it was actually horrible during that same time, um his sister got a cancer diagnosis like two days after our miscarriage. So mm-hmm. It was just like a whirlwind of just emotion all around. I, I I honestly think that's kind of what helped me get out of my grieving because I was just so worried about her. Well, that leads me to talk about, like you talked about how he's like, we have a beautiful baby in heaven now. Mm-hmm. I love that perspective. And I think that's one of the most beautiful healing things that a lot of my girlfriends said to me. Absolutely. Um, like my little Taylor even said to me, like our babies are probably playing together up there right now. And I'm like, Oh, that's such a beautiful image. Like, because like I mentioned before, all of my children feel like my heart walking around the world. Yeah. So this baby 
is my heart walking around in, in heaven. heaven. Absolutely. So I always say, like, that. my heart has feet in heaven now. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't it make you feel like you have dual citizenship already? Yeah. Like, I feel like heaven now is so less elusive mm-hmm. and so much more tangible now that I'm like, my child yeah. is waiting on me. I was actually challenged a couple, man, like six, seven months ago by a spiritual mentor uh, talking about how, like, these children in heaven, like, they love us so much. Mm-hmm. And they're in the cloud of witnesses, like, cheering for us, like, waiting for us to get up there. They know who their mom and dad are. They know who their siblings are. Yep. Like, they totally know. And I just, they mentioned something about, like, naming them. One, to honor them mm-hmm. and to honor their hu- humanity and their place in your family. And two, just to have a sweet connection, you know. And, Absolutely. and for me, that hit me so hard. So we did. And, you know, at that stage, it's like, it's hard to know exactly what the gender was. But I didn't want to do, like, testing or anything like that. Just I just right. didn't want to do that. And um, so I prayed about it. And I really felt like the Lord gave me an inclination towards what I was having um, each time. It'll be interesting when I see in heaven, but I'm willing to take it to the bank. You're like, because it was so strong. It was right. so strong. And I've had actually moments of confirmation with like some other people that even my kids that have like referred to those babies as a girl or boy. Yeah. I named them. Jake was like, you go for it. He well, I feel it. like it's a part of the You're grieving allowed. process as well. It is. And you know? when I was pregnant with both of those babies, I had a name in mind already. Mm-hmm. I already was like, this is their name. And mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't ever plan on using those names again. I couldn't because right. to me, it felt so attached to that yeah. person. We named them Natalie and Mason and they're in heaven. And when people say like, how many kids do you have? We say three on earth and two mm-hmm. in heaven yeah. because that's what it is. They're a part of our family. Yeah. So tell me like for you, how does that feel with, with your faith and your perspective of heaven now, like in eternity, how does that feel in your family dynamic? And do you talk about it with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, um, so I'll just give you a little bit of history about mine and my husband's family. So my husband, his parents had, um, they have three daughters in heaven. One was a stillbirth and then two, I mean, they were children, they were eight and 12. So, um, they passed of cystic fibrosis. So, you know, we have those babies in heaven literally cheering us on. And then my, um, my mom, so I have one sister, mm-hmm. she's five years older than me, and there is um, another sister in between us, and my mom had her at 24 weeks, she found it at 20 weeks that she had Turner syndrome, she had, I think, one chamber of the heart, and she had a, a couple other anomalies, and she chose to love that baby until the day she took her last breath. And so that was another four weeks. And so my mom delivered her. And in that moment, my mom always says like, she never thought that she was going to have more kids just because it was, she was scared. Right. She's like, I don't think I could ever go through that again. Yeah. So this is kind of like off the beaten path a little bit, but it's a funny story. So when my parents went back to her six week checkup after Mm -hmm. she had, her name was Amber. Yeah. The doctor was like, all right, Ed and Sharon, I've got good news. You can start to have intercourse again, and you're already pregnant. No. And so they no. were pregnant with me. I didn't know like, it was that bad. Yeah, That's it was so like, wild. my mom was so embarrassed. She's like, oh, my word. I like, love what? It. 
So my sister likes to tell that story because I'm my mom's rainbow baby. So, you know, you have have a rainbow baby. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's special because I believe um, that our angel babies kind of like handpick our rainbow babies. Oh, oh my gosh, stop. You're going to make me cry. I know. Because I have, um, what a lot of you may not know is I do have a rainbow baby and his name is Judah. Mm -hmm. And he is a miracle because I actually almost lost my life when I was pregnant with him and he almost lost his at about 14 to 15 weeks. So that is beautiful. And I'm so thankful for that. Yeah, I think it's, um, for me, I think it's just a way to you know, just know that my, my baby, my baby is up there. And then hopefully one day he or she will send with, you know, of course, like the Lord's yeah. help, <laughs> right? Yeah. With the Lord's help, um, send Lord's us blessing. a little rainbow baby. I believe so. that too. And yeah, I have to point out something really cool about our connection. The fact that Alicia is a rainbow baby is actually how, like the very deepest first connection I have to Alicia because when her parents were pregnant with her and found out and um, I get, I don't know if there were complications or there was like some concern. It, it was, they were just concerned were because concerned. of her, her, my mom's yes. previous pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. My grandparents on my mom's side, they actually went to the same church mm-hmm. and they were like prayer partners with them. They like prayed over them regularly and spoke life into her womb for Alicia and spoke life into Alicia and just prayed over her before she was ever born. And I just think that is so special because then now we're here sitting here talking Mm -hmm. about this and I'm talking with that rainbow baby and she's my best friend. (laughs) It's so and crazy, it's isn't it? It's so like oh, it is wild. so. God is so. He's so cool. He's yeah, so so cool. There's one other thing I want to touch on. Did you happen to talk to Oakley or any of your girls about that situation? And how did you go about that? If you yeah. Did? So my girls are a little bit younger. I think the only one who really understood mm-hmm. was Oakley, my oldest, and she she just turned six Saturday, so she was five at the time. And we found out. We told him we were having a baby. I actually had, it was like, maybe we shouldn't have told him, you know, but again, like honoring that child's life, even Um, though it was short lived. You do what's right for you. You do what you feel confident in and what you feel is right for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it was, it was tricky because it was my fifth pregnancy and I feel like after every baby, it's like, where did that belly come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Oh my yeah. word. So, you know, you change. And then where did it go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she would comment and be like, mommy, your belly's getting a little big. And I'm like, well, it's, I'm literally like 10 weeks pregnant, you know, like, yeah. but she would ask and be like, well, where's the baby go? You know, like we told her like, you know, the baby wants to be in heaven. You know, yeah. the baby, mommy's not pregnant anymore. And she asked why, and I just, you know, I tried to bring it back to, um, like, the Lord. I didn't feel like it was necessary to, you know, like, sure, you know, he or she went to be with the Lord. Like, it's our guardian angel. Like, he or she's going to be watching over us. And so I think having my kids younger during this experience helped me, per se, because I felt like there wasn't much time for 
too much confusion, too right. much, well, why this? Why that? Why, right. you know? So right. it was almost like we addressed it and then right. not that we could move on, but it just wasn't really brought up again. I get that. I wanted to share this too because I know a lot of women, like that piece of the puzzle is really, really difficult depending on what age your kids mm -hmm. are at. So my daughter was seven at the time, seven, seven and a half, seven. Yeah, she was seven. She's super inquisitive. Mm -hmm. She's just like, her name means wisdom. It is, I'm telling you, that was like a prophecy over her life. That child is so wise. I'll never forget, and I remember telling you this, when I came home and I had, you know, my mom came over for the first time, like when she was picking up the kids to take them to her house so I could continue passing the baby, I told her, I sat her down and I, she, cause she actually knew I was pregnant. We'd actually told a couple people already. We told our small group, I told you. Mm -hmm. yep. And then, um, I told a couple friends, some of my closer friends, girlfriends from my college sorority. And I had told, we had told our children, like we had this big, like reveal moment. And so I had to tell her like she already knew. And so she was sitting there and uh, she goes, mommy, why are you crying? And I just remember she was sitting on the floor and I was sitting on the couch. I was sobbing. I was just a mess. And I'm like, I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't care who sees me. Right, I don't I'm care that you're looking at right. me and I'm a, I'm a freaking mess. Like, you'll think it's whatever. But she asked. She's like, Mom, why are you crying? And I said, well, it was so hard. But I was like, the, the baby that was in Mommy's belly is now with Jesus in heaven. And she's like, I don't understand. What does that mean? Like, the baby's coming to our family, right? I'm like, no. Um... The world was too much for this baby. So the baby is now in heaven mm -hmm. with the Lord and gets to live there until we go to heaven and get to live with it up there. And she, man, it like hit her really hard. Her bottom lip started to quiver. I'll oh. never forget. I'll never forget. Sorry, I'm going to cry again. Seeing her bottom lip start to quiver. And I thought she was going to lose it. Like I really did. I thought she was going to just start sobbing. But it was like, so wild to watch her lips started quivering and then all of a sudden it's like she caught herself and she gets this look in her eye and she like straightens her spine and she looks up at me and she goes no mommy she said that's okay she said god promised though there's going to be another baby god promised we're, we're going to have a baby wow and i'm like your your faith mm -hmm. in this moment she goes it's and she kept saying she's like it's sad but God promised and God doesn't break his promises. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, because actually what you don't know, part of the story is there were promises as far as like, we've gotten multiple prophecies. And I know that this is not standard practice. Like most of the time when you're trained, like in prophecy and stuff and like trained to how like, like to minister in prophecy, you don't usually like, that's one of the no no's. Like you don't share about pregnancy. Like even if you do know, Unless, like, you have a very, very, very clear directive from the Lord to, like, like an order. Like, go tell them mm -hmm. that they're pregnant or going to be pregnant. Well, some people were, like, really practicing. And I got that prophecy probably four times the year before. Um, not even the year before, like, months before I found out I was pregnant. And both times they were surprised. So I thought, oh, this is the prophecy. Yeah. Like, this is God's promise. And so I would tell the kids that. And then all of a sudden, she, you know, when I told her it wasn't, she's like, oh, but he promised and she reminded me of God's promise. I'm like, you know what? He did. And maybe mm -hmm. it was for such a time as this. Maybe it was because he wanted me 
in his lavish love yeah. to have that hope, to, that thread of hope to hold on to Absolutely. because he knew that it would be hard for me in my particular circumstance to find hope in the turbulence that was my life at the yeah. time because I was hitting them back to back to back. So it was like I would get a little glimmer of hope after the first one and then I just fell back into the hole again yeah. and then I get a little glimmer and then I just fell back again. And so I think the Lord knew I needed that, which was so kind of him because it really did give me something to hold on to. Well, so. it was coming from your child's lips. They're so pure and innocent. That's what I'm saying. Like, how beautiful in, the, in yeah. itself. Yeah. It was just, it was a pivotal moment for me because it spoke hope. Mm -hmm. She spoke. My child was the first one, I can honestly yeah. say, the first one to speak hope back into yeah. me yep. in the midst of that moment. Like, my mom said stuff like, but you know how moms are. Yes. You know, yes. like, I love my mom. She's wonderful. But she said, you know, she's very, like, my mom's a very optimistic person, mm -hmm. too. She's very much a realist, and she's very much an optimist in the fact that she's, like, real about the fact of, like, you have two wonderful kids, yeah. and you can always try again another day. And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear right now. You're, I love you. <laughs> You're awesome. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. But then my daughter looks at me, and she goes, nope. God mm -hmm. promised yep. it's going to be good in the end. It's not good right now, but it's going to be good. Yep. She's literally speaking that over you. Yeah. So I love hearing how we share with our kids because I think that's a really sensitive thing. And some people choose not to share with their kids, and that's okay too. You can protect them from that or you can until you're ready or until yeah. you think they're ready because that's a really big concept. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's you, like no pressure here. We're just talking about our own, our own experiences and kind of what we decided to do and how we walked through that. So Alicia, tell me a little bit real quick about moving forward. How are you feeling right now? Where's your hope at right now in this moment? So I am very, very, very hopeful in a lot of as a lot of areas of my life. Yeah. I feel like God is trying to teach me something in that moment. Yeah. That He gives us the free will to make choices and to do things, yeah. but ultimately it's up to him, right? Yeah. The fact that in that moment I was feeling it wasn't my time. Yeah. I wasn't the one, like I was like, this isn't okay. This isn't going to work out. Like yeah. I have this to care for and I have this business to run. And every excuse in the book that could have gone into my mind did. Yeah. So it was, it, it take, gives me the chance to actually step back and be like, I am hopeful yes. that moving forward, no matter what happens, mm -hmm. that it's from the Lord, yes. right? That yep. I will be welcoming with open arms. It was almost like a like a wake up call, like a news flash, like, girl, you don't run this you don't run this shit, you yeah. know? Like Yeah. Which I guess kinda of sounds a little harsh, but you know, as humans living in a broken world, we yeah. want to have control of our ship right. and we want to do what we think is best for us when in reality, it's not. And we know? don't even know what that is, exactly. to be honest. Well, well, yeah. do we our, really? our definition of good, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, our we are so limited in our mind right? because God literally made our mind. Right. It, it's made by the one who knows it all. <laughs> he didn't give us it all because then we'd be God. Mm -hmm. We're so limited in what we think that I know that my definition of good probably is so far from right. what good really is right. to God. 
from what it really is in its absolute essence. Because to me, I'm like, food. I'm like, well, you know, broccoli doesn't taste good. It doesn't feel good. Right. So my son would say, actually, he did say the other day, I don't like vegetables. They're not good because they don't taste good. And I'm like, he said, they're not good for me. They don't taste good. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. Yeah. You don't see the bigger picture. You don't know how you were made. You don't know the intricacies of your body and what kind of nutrients mm-hmm. you need. You just don't understand because you're you're limited in right. your knowledge right now. You just you can't see it all. Right. And I have to step back sometimes and remember that like a child, God calls us to have childlike faith because yeah. we are his kids. Mm-hmm. We're children. Our understanding is like a child. Right. We're so limited and he's so unlimited that we just have to lean into him sometimes and just say, you know what? You have the master plan. And that's not to say that I want to put this disclaimer out there. That's not to say that God wanted anyone to have a miscarriage. A hundred percent. I don't believe. I absolutely agree. I don't believe that God would take your child from you on purpose. I just, and that's may just be my belief that unless, unless maybe he was saving them from, from something, from something horrible, I, I be, that's, you know, I, like a mercy, like yes. his mercy, unless it's his mercy. Yes. I don't believe that God takes to take. I agree. He, that is not my God. He's good all the mm-hmm. time. He is good all the time. Yep. He is the source of all things good. He is the absolute like reference point and if for it's goodness. the opposite of that, it is not from him. It's not. It's not from and him. And the enemy does steal. Yes. And I do believe I do believe that the enemy does intervene and try to steal children. Yes. He does because he hates the family mm-hmm. because he'll never have one. Yeah. He can't be a part of one. He was kicked out of the family. He'll never be at a child of God. So he tries to steal every child of God right out of the world mm-hmm. in any way he can. I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there because I feel like that's needed to be said. That's very important. So real quick before we go, I want to ask you a couple closing questions. You already answered one of them, which is kind of like what you would say encouragement-wise or scripture-wise, the beautiful lyrics of that song. Remind us what that song's called again. Promises. Promises by Maverick City. Maverick City. Yes. So if you want to check out that song, that might touch your heart. It it Go listen to it and sob along with us. Mm -hmm. The next one is who, if anyone, is your hope or faith or trust hero? This is a really good question. I would have to say that this could change sure. depending on the, your season in life and mm-hmm. people's testimonies. And Absolutely. You know? So yeah. right now for me, I, I touched on it earlier just briefly, but a few days after my miscarriage, um, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. I, I mean, I dated my husband for, like, ever. I mean, I met him when I was, like, 13 or 14. And so it's my husband's oldest sister. So I've known Val for 15 years, maybe. Yeah. So she, her and her husband have always been a big part of mine and my husband's life, not just, mm-hmm. you know, being involved with us and our kids, but, you know, they're mentors to us. They yeah. give us a lot of wisdom on marriage and parenting and just being men and women of God. And Side note, they will be on this podcast at some time. At some yeah, point because they they're mentors to everyone yeah. and they are literally they are giants for Jesus mm-hmm. just absolute giants yeah. so so Val has always embodied in my what I would say is a a woman who is completely and utterly rooted in her faith mm-hmm. again she's human so I know that they're sure there's times of wavering and you know yeah. but 
she everything that she does from the outside looking in she does to glorify the lord mm -hmm. she wants to be like jesus and she loves like he does like yeah you can tell that with just us her extended family you can tell that with her husband you can tell that with her kids 100%. just going through this journey the last couple months of this diagnosis she's kicking butt like the hope that i that we all feel just from seeing her and what she has done and her steadfast faith and her you know her foundation being so rooted and just how hopeful she's been like yes. i'm like that's that's the kind of of hope i want to have that's the kind of faith i want to have that's because it's it, the whole situation it's you know it's scary it's Absolutely. like almost like earth shattering like your whole life is being flipped upside down, but then you have this person who is doing it so gracefully, mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, like, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. And I have to add, this is so funny, actually, uh, was it Monday? She was actually getting a treatment, and I texted her. I, I try to, like, send her a word of encouragement occasionally, and I sent her, like, a text, and she sent me back a picture of her literally getting her treatment done and she sent me a picture her of boots. her boots yeah her foot her boots she's wearing combat boots Listen. and she's like because i called her a warrior woman i always yeah. call her warrior woman and she's like you know i'm frontline girl like she's like yeah. i'm so i'm ready to fight today i'm like yes so I, I have to tell that story because it's so cute her so when she first was diagnosed her very good friend annie got her these black combat boots and she called him her Sorry, this is a bad word. Her ass kicking boots. Yeah. So she wears them every yes. every treatment. She wears it. her ass kicking boots, and we're like, "You go, girl." Yes. Yeah. She's gonna kick cancer's ass. Yeah, she is. She, she is. Yeah. It's over. Her testimony. It's over with Woo. her. Done. Yeah. So yeah, if hey, if y'all are praying, people, which I believe a lot of you are, pray for Val. Her name is Val. She's she's battling, but she's gonna win. Yep. Absolutely. The Lord is is the winner here. I love that. Yeah. And so my final oh, my final question is, what is one last piece of encouragement or challenge or word of wisdom that you want to leave with our listeners um, who might be sitting in this very season right now? So I think I would I think I would like to say um, is to just let yourself. I don't want to say be, but to just let yourself be, like let yourself breathe, let yourself go through the motions of what this looks like and it's different for everybody we touched on it but it's very lonely so i would encourage them to reach out to somebody you know yes. and i i think and it's, don't push people away yeah it, it's really easy yeah. to do you know just being like i i can do this and i think being wives and mothers like mm -hmm. we we gotta do a lot right like we can like, yeah. i can just get through this like I, don't let yourself. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I always tell my, my girlfriends when they're struggling or my sister, whoever, like, if mom is not okay, the household ain't okay. Yes. Like, you know? Yes. So let mama get help. If mama needs to talk to somebody or talk to a friend or, yeah. you know, cry or yeah. be angry, be mad, like, I think that's, I think it's almost necessary Absolutely. because like you said when you when you bury those feelings mm -hmm. they'll eventually come back up like yeah. you have to and let you don't want a volcano because then you have to start at the very beginning all over again and I can tell you from experience yeah it's a really long road yeah because I did that one more thing just to touch on um, just like a word of encouragement or yes. the things that happen in our lives 
it's just part of our testimony and, and what we can do to help others. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the things that you've gone through, whether it's miscarriage or anything else. Um, don't be ashamed of that because that ultimately will help somebody else in their walk and their journey. God loves us. You know, he wants the best for us. You touched on it, but this is not from him. We live in a broken world. I think if you can just rest knowing that it might really suck right now and it's really hard and it's really not the most ideal thing to be going through, there is hope. There is hope for the future. Like God's got you. So I, I just cling on to that. I, I feel like it, this whole experience within the last six months has drawn me closer to the Lord. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Real quick, um, I just feel like this is like totally off off the cuff here, but I feel really led because I feel like there's going to be somebody who sees a title of this and says, oh my gosh, I'm going through this right now. I need this. Who is going through a miscarriage mm-hmm. or has just gone through one. And I really feel called to pray for them yeah. right now. So Alicia, would you do us the honors? Would yes. you lead us in like a prayer Absolutely. for those people? Yep. Dear Lord, I just thank you and praise you for this wonderful day that you've given Sarah and I to come together and just, um, you know, speak the truth and, um, you know, speak raw and um, of this thing that unfortunately some of us have to go through of a miscarriage. Lord, I know it's not an easy thing and it's quite frankly, sometimes very unfair, but I just pray for anybody, Lord, who is, um, either going through it or has had gone through it, or even the people who have not experienced it yet, um, just be with them, you know, protect their heart, Lord, give them peace in this season of their life, Lord, um, give them the people around them, Lord, just love them and support them. Let them feel you, Lord, let them know that you are with them. Um, we love you and we, uh, we, we thank you for everything you've given us, Lord, on this earth. And we just, uh, we lift you up in uh, being the almighty and we love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alicia. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful we had this discussion. This is a heavy one. Um, the stories I'm going to put up. Oh, y'all, that was a tough one. I'm not sure it's ever going to be an easy topic to talk about, but boy, am I thankful for Alicia and that conversation. And thank you so much for joining us on my proverbial couch and for handling our hearts with care as we attempted to also steward your hearts with care. I hope you feel seen. I hope you feel less alone. And I hope you see the light in your own story as we continue to hope in the Redeemer of all things. Now, y'all, this is it. If you follow me on the Instagram, you know. Next week's guest is one of my favorite people, podcasters, and now authors. Blake E. Shea will be joining us next week to help us find hope in the midst of friendship breakups. And you guys do not want to miss this conversation. It is powerful and necessary, and dare I say, actually life-changing. So give us five stars, a review, and make sure you're subscribed to catch us here next week with Blake. Don't lose hope.